0: On this episode of AV Week, we wrap up the year that is 2018. What were the biggest stories? What were the biggest issues? And look ahead to 2019 and some of the biggest challenges and opportunities. All that and more next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV
2: Nation.
0: This is AV Week, episode 384, recorded Friday, December 21st, 2018. Here comes 2019.
2: Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Christy Digital and by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box.
0: This is AV Week, your weekly wrap up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. This is a different sort of show. It's uh, one we do every year, but it's kind of our, our year in review and a little bit of a preview as much as we can, uh, being as the fact that the AV industry is constantly changing and rearranging. Uh, so, with me to discuss uh, all things 2018 and a couple of things 2019, first and foremost, her name is Corey Schaefer and she works for QSC. Welcome, ma'am.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, ma'am. Happy uh, New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hope everybody had a a good holiday. Uh, Also with me uh, is Mr. Brock McGinnis from Westbury National. Welcome, sir.
2: Always pleased to be invited, Tim. Thank you.
0: Thank you, sir. Uh, And last but not least, the outgoing chair of the CTS uh, steering committee uh, and a wonderful uh, Illinois native. His name is Jeremy Caldera. How are you, sir?
3: I am excellent. Hello,
0: everyone. All right, so it, it, simple concept, simple formula for today's show. Uh, I'll kind of give my two cents in as, as we go. Corey, I'll, I'll start with you on this. We had lots of mergers and acquisitions. Um, ISE broke 80,000 uh, for the first time. Uh, Infocom had some growth as well as far as the shows go. But from your standpoint, uh, both QSC or, or you just being an, an industry person, what would you say the, the one or two biggest stories of 2018 ha- have been?
1: So uh, this is just really me speaking. I think it's the uh, Plantronics acquisition of Polycom, I, mm. and then shortly after that, uh, Logitech looking to buy Plantronics because
0: you, you mean know, the acquisition that wasn't
1: right. And and but if you look at the dollar amount, right? So it yeah. was the uh, acquisition amount of Plantronics to Polycom for two billion, but then shortly later, um, it was said that Logitech uh, to consider acquiring. Plantronics for 2.2 billion. So, I mean, I mean, what happened there? You know, yes. which, is, which is unfortunate. So, um, you know, Polycom, I mean, I've been in this industry a long time and I mean, Polycom was such a major player and really Plantronics. We, I used to think of them and still often do for just headsets. Right. So, um, just the, um, smaller companies uh, and accessory companies coming up, the larger companies, you know, coming down.
0: Absolutely, and that was one of the things that uh, a number of people have pointed out—the fact that the the value of Polycom, at least in the fictional—again, we have to say it's fictional because no, nobody really came out and said that. Yes, you know, Logitech is looking at this, right? I mean, nobody yeah. filed with the SEC and all of the legal things that they have to do. Um, but in this this world of, of kind of rumor and, and speculation. Yes, the Logitech did not value Polycom nearly as much as, as, as Plantronics
1: did. The other interesting thing, you know, um, Logitech is a, a um, big supporter of Zoom, right? So I kind of wonder if that played into it. And because I don't know, um, Brock and Jeremy, what you guys are saying, but I run into Zoom every single day. Um, I mean, every large enterprise customer, and I know I've been talking about it a, a lot, but I mean, I just bump them every single day on projects.
2: You make that sound like a bad thing.
1: No, I, I, <laughs> I think uh, you know when we talk about trends, um, they definitely are setting a trend for sure.
2: Absolutely,
0: yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Mr. Caldera, from where you sit, uh, whether it's on the multiple boards of of Avixa or or at IAS, uh, what were some of the biggest stories of of
3: 2018? Oh well, it's me leaving CTS, Tim. Of course. (laughs) You were
0: you were forced off, just for the record.
3: Yeah, I know. I I was off.
0: That's tongue in cheek. He 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 reached the the uh, limit of his of his service time.
3: No, but uh, yeah,
0: yeah, turned out. Thank you.
3: I did. I I don't know. I I was going to agree with with Corey. The Polycom one was the big one that I've seen. I mean, but there's been tons of the smaller, in my opinion, smaller mergers and acquisitions. And from the integration standpoint as well. I mean, we saw a lot of companies buying up other companies just, you know, whether it's diversified or some of the other big players, you know, you know, uh, taking bites out of a lot of the little guys around to kind of expand their reach. And, uh, you know, for me, that's big news because it starts, you know, diving more into regional markets where they never really played before, you know, but it starts affecting smaller companies like mine. So, uh, for, for me, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, other than that, uh, I'm seeing a lot of, um, you know, just other technology, you know, stuff, all-in-one type stuff. That, that the more of that that comes out is just kind of what I consider to be big news, because uh, it means there needs to be a value add now to us as integrators, you know, because you can just buy some of this box stuff.
0: Real quickly, in the merger and acquisition area, uh, Jeremy's in, in Peoria, Illinois, which is about two and a half hours north of me. Uh, not a a large metropolitan, but you have several significant clients that are not just in Peoria, but you know, around the country and around the world. When diversified, or AVISPL, or, or whatever you know, um, company that, is, that has been has a history of merging and, act and acquiring other companies, they start moving into your area. What does that do to you and to your strategy then?
3: Well, for us, it, it just makes it more difficult from a, a financial standpoint, right? Because we're used to, and fortunately, in some of the regional areas, we're used to getting slightly healthier margins, mm. right? Where some of the big players come in and unfortunately tend to lowball things, right? So now it, we have a, you know, it. we knew this was coming. This has been coming for years, even in the larger markets, right? To where, you know, the, the commoditization of all the equipment is forcing down margins and then um, some of the big guys try to keep their guys busy or something. I don't know what it is, forcing down some of the labor rates. Um, it just, it means that we have to find a new way to stay relevant and we have to start bringing on, uh, you know, everybody's talked about managed services or that type of offering just to kind of add that value to us as, as the smaller integrator. But I mean, like I said, the small integrators, hopefully if, if you're getting on board the right bandwagon there, you'll, you'll see a lot of growth, which fortunately we have, uh, and I know some other local guys in town here, um, you know, we do more regional stuff and even stuff around the country, not as big as like the diversifies of the world, obviously, but the little guys in Peoria that aren't doing as much regional stuff and expanding their reach and changing their service offerings, um, they're seeing a lot more loss in revenue and we're seeing great growth. And I think it has to come down to, um, like I said, what, what they're finding to add value to.
1: And Jeremy, one thing that I thought um, these large integrators are looking to do when they do these acquisitions and have a footprint kind of everywhere is to be able to say to an end user, um, you know, we've got offices all over the U.S., all over the world, you know, et cetera. But um, what I'm actually seeing as far as boots on the ground for me, and it's, you know, it's micro, but I mostly spend time in New York and the Bay Area with these large global customers. They're still they're still looking local they're still dealing with the with the local integrator and it uh, sometimes it'll be a big guy because they have a local office and they've had a relationship but often it's still that small local integrator
3: yeah and i i agree and don't get me wrong i mean we you know we're the small local integrator right and i've got lots of enterprise clients you know i have, you know several very large fortune 100s in in our area that we help service now fortunately those companies are big enough that there's enough to go around for everybody right they can support four or five local integrators, as well as deal with a lot of the big guys too, right? And uh, the nice thing is, 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 you know, we as a small integrator, they, they trust us, they know us, they, they deal with us, we help them do demos and, and, and you know, analyze different equipment and all the new things that come in. And, and you know, they trust our opinion on this, where they don't necessarily trust the opinion of the big guys, so they think they're just trying to be sold, right? Because they know we have a lot more, you know, invested in it. at least that's what I've been told, the way they look at us. But that being said, there's a lot of times where I'll even work with some of those larger, integrators to help deploy solutions that we're coming up with for them and areas where we can't touch. So,
0: It's interesting that they, that they value your opinion and honestly your relationship with them a little bit more than the folks that, that they may view as being outside the area. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it speaks to the way that you guys have, have handled yourself and, and other integrators as well Is is the value of the relationship, which is something that Mr. McInnes has been trying to drill into my head for, for 10 years. so. <laughs>
2: That's hundred percent true. Yeah. yeah, the relationship is uh, is a hundred percent it. People do business with people, and we've recently uh, uh, at Westbury here joined the PSNI Global Alliance um, as a way of of uh, servicing our customers who have locations outside of Canada. But as part of that PSNI relationship, we've started servicing. Um, large uh, multinational enterprises for other integrators. And I've gotten to know some of the account managers at other integrators that are dealing with these big multinationals. People do business with people. And the sign on the door in the end kind of mean, means nothing. I, I, I think that the movement uh, really, the mergers and acquisitions movement, both at the manufacturers level and at the integrators level is about scale. Um, Jeremy, you say large companies come into your area and lowball. Well, their cost bases are lower than yours. Uh, an AVI SPL uh, may have a significant price advantage uh, uh, over you with a Crestron or a Samsung or another, you know, large integrator. Well, and, they're know. Making, and they're making the same margins. Um, no, they, they won't tell you that. Uh, your well, vendor certainly won't tell you that.
3: But. I can tell you that. I can tell you though, in my experience, um, yes, that is true. I'm marking up my stuff lower to be competitive. But there has been seven jobs in the past six months that I have lost to where the labor that they quoted was actually the entire project was lower than my cost, right? And okay. the labor that they quoted was almost half of what I quoted, you know. And so, and we're seeing a significance in, ch- in change orders is what it comes down to. And I've, I've had my clients tell me that. And I've had some of my good clients say, you know, Jeremy, you know, look at the, Look at how much cheaper they are than you. They're offering the exact same thing. And they'll show, they've shown me the dollar to dollar, the equipment's darn near closer to the same, you yeah. know, but it's the labor. So, um,
2: and so the, the other thing that happens is that uh, companies that are using primarily subcontract labor forces uh, begin to mark those subcontractors up as they mark up their product. Uh, as opposed to trying to get the two times, 2.5 times, three times metrics that we do on in-house labor. So there's lots of things, uh, lots of things that are evolving. And the evolution is about us maturing as an industry. We, you know, we came from uh, very technical backgrounds, not, not particularly um, astute business people but great technical service providers. And uh, and now it's a lot of MBA bean counters that are, are uh, running the business and they're going, we're looking for efficiencies here, uh, we're looking for price advantages there, we're gonna buy market share in Peoria because you know, it's Peoria, um, and we're going to make that money up on a on a global basis. And and we're now just facing some of the business pressure. I believe that um, that is, is being faced in other industries all the time. Our need is to become uh, more agile, more efficient, uh, and uh, and then also think about scale um this is the kind of of angst jeremy that drives small integrators like yourselves into the hands of big ones or motivates you to go you know what i got to connect with the guy in the next regional city and the next regional city and the next regional city so the five of us together have the scale to be able to take on some of these behemoths um the that's the business side of things good people in the end want to work for good companies um, and, uh, it's all about people. And, and so that's what we do have going for us uh, because one of the things that I have noticed from some of the large companies is that that talent pool, that gene pool, it gets pretty thin at times.
1: But Brock, don't you think it's also we have to change how we how we do business, meaning one, one thing that I constantly see is, you know, we look at integrators, websites, and, you know, manufacturers, all of us, I, we, we just don't really know how to market our value prop. And, you know, it's, we all kind of are saying the same thing. Um, it's really hard to uh, show where we're different. And, and we are a very technical pool here, at, you know, gene pool. And um, I personally think the customer is looking for, Um, I mean, yes, relationships are are still important, thankfully, Um, but they're looking for ease of. They're looking for different and things that uh, take away their problems. Yes,
2: they're also looking for companies like us to communicate with them in the same way and do business with them in the same way as other uh, large enterprise service providers do. So, you know, we kind of need to look and act like Cisco. Um, or you need to look and act like Cisco. I need to look at, look and act like a Cisco VAR, um, or a, uh, you know, or a Rico or somebody else that is in their business every day. Those kind of turnaround times, um, that kind of accuracy, that kind of documentation, um, uh, and, uh, and price agility.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Mr. McInnes, you'll have the, the last word on, on for 2018. What, uh, what was the biggest one or two stories for you?
2: Um, I, you know, the, the mergers and acquisitions thing has stopped being a story for me. Um, that when I looked back at the year, the one thing that I recognized that as an industry, we had stopped talking about is Microsoft and Google. Um, and if you look back a year, 18 months ago, now it was all about, uh, surface hub mm-hmm. and, and it was going to take over the world, and it was going to ruin our lives. And it was all about Jamboard, and it was going to uh, take over our lives. And the collaboration mantra um, that was happening through the industry, and, and we were terrified that these appliances sold by uh, you know, uh, mega enterprises were going to consume AV. Nobody's buying them a second time. Um, you know the, the, the manufacturers have effectively put those products on the shelf. Nobody's talking about them at any level, um, and that wave has come and gone. Um, why? And why?
1: Yeah, why? Because is it the product? Is it, you know uh, why?
2: So um, the product was ninety percent marketing and ten percent delivery, um, and it was you know it was very late, but a lot of integrators and a lot of VARS invested a lot of money. Um, I can give you an awesome deal on a Jamboard if you're interested. Uh, the uh, 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 positioning uh, to be able to provide this, this contract because they're too hard to use. Collaboration I think has evolved over the last 18 months from making somebody stand up at the front of a meeting room like a third grade teacher and draw squiggles on a uh on a touchboard or operate a powerpoint directly from a board um to collaborating on uh on individual devices laptops uh, tablets phones at the table uh, using software uh, tools in the wireless collaboration world that are readily available and way easier to learn uh, corey you and i have no problem standing up in front of a room uh, and uh, and driving a presentation from uh, uh, from a board, we're uh, we're ten percenters. Ninety percent of meeting participant, participants, they want to share from the safety of their seat, protected by the table in front of them, and using a device that they know and use and love and have confidence in. Um, and so the collaboration story has changed. And to me, that's the biggest evolution of, uh, of 2018 in our industry. Other so we're just than,
1: collaborating differently, right? So we're still than, collab- yeah,
2: collaborating. Other than <laughs> as you mentioned um, uh, pre show, Zoom. Zoom is the biggest story. You know, From January 1 to December 31, 2018, it has gone from a sometime conversation to an absolutely every day, every customer, all the time. Um, how do I pull this codec out and replace it with Zoom? What assets can I re- reuse? How can I make, it, uh, uh, make video conferencing as easy for all my users as Zoom is? Uh, and, uh, and they are delivering on the promise of video conferencing better than anybody has, from my humble perspective, than anybody has ever done that before.
1: 100% agree. I mean, uh, our company had adopted a different platform and many times my users are using Zoom. So when I send them an invite, even from another platform, I have customers saying to me, no, we're not using that. Um, I'll send you the invite. So then I just, uh, I went ahead and switched because I had so many people saying it. And then when I have to revert back to the former platform that most of our company uses, I notice that I'm irritated about, it's like it might just be one additional click, but it's still irritating. And it's one additional click.
2: And the picture quality and the sound quality and the ability to share content, and I don't care what platform that was, isn't as good and as easy uh, unless you're, you know, unless you're using an SX80 and you've got, you know, a two to four meg pipe um, and, uh, and and all the stuff automated through a good uh, Creston or AMX panel, um, Zoom's pretty darn simple, uh, which, of course, is what we're using to record here today.
0: Well, isn't that kind of the point, though, Brock, is the fact that you, you mentioned SX80, a, a fine, you know, video conferencing system from Cisco. But it requires a couple of different things. I mean, Jeremy and I will tell you stories later about this 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 job from hell. But it included part of this job was several SX80s, and and they were incredible systems, right? Um, but they were a little on the on the pricier side, and they're and they're one room systems, and you know, they, they three or four, two or three or four cameras, and and dual monitors, and a, a nice Crestron, And were, what this job, Jeremy and I were doing, was a, a nice Crestron touch panel, and this, that, and the other. When we talked about collaborating from, your, from your, your laptop. You can give a laptop or a connection to anybody and send them to a conference room and plug in and either use the camera there or use the one, you know, uh, in the room or on the laptop. And in 30 seconds to a minute, they could be on a Zoom call. Less costs, you know, a little bit easier to, to, enter, to, to connect with. I think that's really what what Zoom has done is just simplified the, the, the interface and simplified the experience.
2: Now to Cisco's, credit, yeah. but to Cisco's credit, To Cisco's credit, you know their room kit systems um, and the software, like the the Cisco conferencing ecosystem, has evolved uh, over the last few years amazingly well. Um, I think that the Sx80 is the only codec system, you know, hard codec system they they offer, and we don't have any problems if if people are in the Cisco um, ecosystem and are comfortable, uh, you know, paying as much as for a service contract as they would for a Zoom license. Um, that. Uh, uh in installing that because that is also a really good user experience now um and uh, and with i think it's called proximity but but with their app you know you walk into a room and ping um you know that that system is set up for you automatically and it, it's you know the easy button is what our clients are looking for yeah. um it's and and a company like zoom uh, or roomkit has has found a way um to make the easy button easy. And there's still a place in both of those applications for integrators because a Zoom system is too complicated for most users to competently integrate themselves. Do you agree, Jeremy?
3: Yeah, I completely agree with you on that one.
1: I I think the common denominator is, and maybe the trend uh, moving forward, that uh, is just ease of use, right? So you said the easy button, Brock. So, I mean, customer, and I think they're willing to give up. I mean, you can put... You know, image to image, uh, sound to sound, but they they'll still gravitate to what's easiest, even if it even if they they believe the other solution might be quote better quality. It's all about the 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 you know needs to be easy to use, and um, I think that's a really good lesson for all of us to be thinking about.
2: And if everybody wants to drive a Honda, then the auto parts manufacturers' responsibility is to build the best kind of parts that complement a Honda or are integrated into a Honda and so you as a manufacturer of some really good video systems um, then you know you can start to focus on what's my story with Zoom what's my story with um, uh, with other platforms Uh, because the users do adopt the platforms way before they adopt the hardware. hardware simply supports the platform, and the platform supports the user. Um, And uh, and our industry, of course, used to be the other way around. Right. We came up with the magical hardware solutions and trained the user into that evolution.
1: Right. And Zoom has no interest in being in the hardware business. They just want to be the platform, and they want to be, you know software and and one thing you know the, the ease of zoom in a kit you know where they everything is done you know um they they have room size and uh they pull out all these you know it's literally you just pull it Seven, out there
2: 17 adapters and a roll of duct tape
1: <laughs> right i mean and so so i think that as clients really do adopt to this platform and they they start to really push the envelope of rooms it was intended to be in that's also where our value comes back in no question.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, Corey, you raised an interesting point, though, and that's it doesn't matter how much, how good the quality is of the product. It really just does come down to the overall experience and how simple it is to operate, right? And that's true of just, I mean, you know, it's true of every single thing that we do every day of our lives. Perfect case in point, right? This device right here. Worst quality on the face of the earth of just about any service you could have, as far as a cell phone goes and data rates and all of the stuff. But it's so stupid easy to use. You know, this is this, and we use this more than anything else every day, right? And it's the same point there. If we make our rooms like that, that's that's the goal.
1: Well, and we followed it in the in the in the residential market, right? I mean, we all used to have these, you know, great sound systems and maybe you know a theater and these, you know, um, all these. DVDs and technology, now we're just streaming. And and uh, I just read a uh, article about the trend is even uh, most people would prefer to watch something on their mobile device, even over a big screen in their home. <laughs> Convenience, you know?
2: I don't know who those people are, I and I don't understand them. Well, I, I, I would
0: say, that I would argue that that is also a generational thing, because you know i th- there there are some you know weekends where i will catch myself watching football and, and think god that the bears are doing well this year but my my kids are on on the couch next to me and each of them has a device in their hand and they're watching some show of some sort while i'm watching football that is their preference, right? That you know, they're ten and twelve years old.
2: No, no, it's not their preference. It's their place in the world. It, your watch, it, but it is your their preference. Watch, football right? on the big screen. If they want to watch what they want, that's the only thing they have. For the standard millennial, you know, there's a crap TV in their mom's basement, so the picture's better on their
3: iPad. True. Yeah, that's true. That's true. My kids, but my kids, it is preference, and my kids are seven and five, right? They get home from school, the first thing they go to is their device. They don't care about the TV in the living room. That TV in the living room is maybe on for three hours a week. You know, and it's maybe to watch football. Even then I'm going downstairs to the bar, right? Like I'm never using the the TV in my house anymore. I just don't have the time to do it. Neither are my kids. They're just using their devices.
2: That's funny
0: yeah all right uh mr caldera we'll, we'll start with you we, we, we've kind of uh, beaten up on 2018
3: so what does 2019 hold for us uh it, it you know i think it's going to come down to exactly what we've just been talking about and I, it was interesting i was i was working on another piece for a, uh, a magazine that was talking just about this right it's going to come down to and this is the big buzzword where collaboration was the buzzword a few years ago it's user experience now right it's the idea of you know we want to give good quality right and we're all going to sell good quality right as an integrator, but simplicity is where it's at right if we can make things simple and just make it easy and stupid that's how it's going to work just walk in and it just happens and whatever that takes and the i think that the the technology is going to evolve uh from the manufacturers to just you know coalesce with that idea right i think that's what we're going to see a lot of all right
0: mr mcginnis what does uh, what will 2019 hold for all of us
3: uh i
2: I'm less concerned about technology and acquiring customers and doing good work for customers as I am about continued disruption uh, in the industry. We had a meeting last week or the week before uh, with RICO, the uh, multinational document management company, and it is their global objective uh, by fiscal 21 to have audiovisual services as 5% of their global revenue. So I'm not very good at trillions of yen calculations, um, but that would make Ricoh, the largest audiovisual company in the world, two or three years from now. Um, and uh, and when, uh, when companies like that start to look at us and say, hey, we're in those corporations, we're providing them services every day, we have on-site staff, Audiovisual actually isn't brain surgery in, in uh, many cases. There are customized things that they hire companies like ourselves and other um, uh, real integrators to do, but they can take over the run rate, huddle room, eight person meeting room, 12 person meeting room. Uh, you know, Corey, they could be your largest customer in two or three years based on some of the skews that that you've put together. Um, And if Rico were looking at that, you've gotta think that other multinationals that are not one or two tiers above us, but 12 tiers above us. We were worried about Microsoft and Google. Well, Microsoft and Google don't actually have any direct relationship with their clients. They work through resellers, it's a bunch of software. There's stickiness through contracts, but there's no personal relationship. IBM, Xerox, HP, um, I mean, there's a huge tier of of, uh, corporate hardware, software services uh, and value add um, providers that uh, have everyday relationships and contractual relationships with their customers, including governments uh, that have third-partied a lot of their stuff. And I I look at that group as potentially being significant disruptors to our our cozy little uh, club. Um, And when they come in against competition, they just crush us like bugs. Right. We, We as competitors, we're really friendly. If I'm coming into Jeremy's area because you know, one of his uh, clients or prospects has asked us to quote on something, I'm letting him know I'm there. I'm letting him know why I'm there. I'm not there to, you know, uh, to cut his lawn or eat, eat his lunch or tinkle in his sandbox. Um, and, and generally, we're pretty uh, collegial um, and, and get along great within our industry. We start getting people from outside the company and it is formulas and numbers and um, and so there's no wonder that scale um, and the capital that goes with scale, because a lot of these mergers and acquisitions are not being fueled by um, you know by some integrator that had a bunch of extra money sitting in the bank. It's being fueled by you know third-party private equity investors. Yeah. Um, well, not some of them. All of them. 100% of them. So uh, scale is the on, only way um, that, uh, that some companies are going to be uh, able to compete with the multinationals. And yet,
1: I, agree, I agree 100% with Brock, but I also agree with Jeremy. So it's, it is about the too. user experience, right? It, but uh, I think the disrupt, we're going to see disruption by companies that aren't even on our radar. And uh, you know I mean it could be Dell, et cetera. And, it, and a lot of it is driven by the fact that the AV and IT thing has happened, and I when the budget's held by uh, people that are come from that IT background, they're wanting to buy from people that they've already got agreements with, they're already trusted relationships, um, You know things are going in the IDF. I mean they're, I mean I can tell you we've been asked about this all year long by large customers. yes wanting to buy that way.
2: Yeah. But as Jeremy said, and, and we all, I think, agree, it does come back to a relationship. The one advantage that we do have over those faceless behemoths, you know, the, uh, the, the Godzillas that are coming uh, across the Pacific ocean is the fact that we do have face-to-face relationships uh, with our customers. And we support the people within organizations that support the business objectives of the organization. We will be tough to beat out on a services level.
1: Right. And I, and it is, you know, when we talk user experience, we might mean in room, right. But it's also about, it's the whole experience. It's about that service contract. It's about how they buy. It's about how things get arrived. It's about how things are deployed, who deploys them, you know, et cetera. And no doubt relationships are important. Uh, And we might even see a circle happen, right. Where, where um, because the decisions are made by people that we don't have relationships with, we might see it go a certain way, but then come back because that happens as well, right? So people go try a path and then they, they realize it, it's a path that's not working for them long term. So, so then they, they circle back. And we have to write it out.
0: So at what point or, or what companies beside you, you, Brock mentioned HP and, and Corey did as well, you know, Intel. At what point do we start not circling the wagon because that sounds almost fatalistic, but what at what point do we start looking at some of these companies like competitors as opposed to manufacturers? Because you know, Rico has shown at the last two Infocom, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so if I'm hearing you right, Brock, they're as much a competitor to the people going to Infocom as 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 attendees. Uh, so they've
2: shown it they've shown at Infocom because they have a couple of products, um, okay. a collaboration board and a little video conferencing system. But that's not where this 5% of global revenues is coming from. That is AV as a service. That is about taking things that Jeremy and I sell to people for cash, and they're going to sell it to them by the month.
3: And well, uh, to- the thing with that, too, is that here's the difficulty that lies with that, right? This whole AV as a service being a buzzword over the past year, 18 months, right, has been somewhat more difficult to actually see start happening, right? The idea is great. Customers like it. We just can't seem to execute on it as much as is it's been talked about, in my opinion. And I think a lot of that has to do with. Not necessarily, I mean, the smaller integrators like myself versus like the ABSBLs, the world diversifies and stuff like that, right? We don't have the capital necessarily to do that. So we're reliant on other ways to get financial support to help, you know, help do that. And I don't think anybody's figured out a really good way to do that yet, right? Those companies, like what what Brock is talking about, they've got it down and they know it and they got the money to do it. And that's what's scary. And that's what's going to make that happen a lot faster. Yeah.
0: All right, uh Corey, you'll have the last one on this. What is what what else does twenty nineteen hold for us? Make it something pleasant,
1: please. Um, you know, I think there's always something to be learned here, right? So I mean, instead of looking at them as as competitors, um, let's let's look at ways to collaborate with them, let's look at ways, you know, to learn from them. But um I personally think we're gonna see more mergers and acquisitions for sure, continuing on too. And yeah. is that pleasant? It depends. <laughs>
0: Depends on who you are. It depends on whether you own stock in the company that's being acquired. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give a little bit in in the, the vein of of not pleasantness. Um, it, we're we're you're posting this the first week of, of January. Uh, there are certain things that are outside of our control, all four of us control outside of our industry's control, and there there are some macroeconomic things happening, both at, at the, the U.S. level as well as other country level. It's going to impact us, and it's going to impact us probably within the first quarter, if not the second quarter. Number one, and this is not a political statement, it's, it's just a, a simple fact, the the tariff war between the China and the U.S. is going to start hitting the, the A V industry. It's going to start hitting Already us, has. Already has, right? Yep. In January, you're going to see a number of manufacturers releasing, you know, price increases if you haven't already seen that. Um, there are certain components that, that go into every single device that you guys put into racks and you put into rooms. Every single, the only places they're made are, is China, right? There's three or four factories in China that, that these components are made there. They're getting tax coming into the U.S. now. And regardless of where that component, where that final box is, is, is put together and manufactured, and whether it's a stamp says US or Mexico or Canada or wherever, there are components in there that are made in China and the price of that component, that, that final product is gonna go up because of, of this, this kind of trickle down, and I really hate using that term, but trickle down effect from the tariff through.
2: So. Nobody ever said, Tim, that making America great again was going to be inexpensive, right? This is this this is an economic process of bringing um, <laughs> no. <clears throat> Go ahead. Understand my support for Mr. Trump, um, but but uh, everybody's. Okay. It's not just our industry. Everybody is going to be more expensive. It's going mm-hmm. to cost more to buy a T-shirt at Walmart. It's going to cost more to buy a device from Crestron, it is going to, you know, it's just, it's across the board. Um, And we have this other really weird thing going on in our economy where you can't get good people, but wages aren't going up. First time in economic history that there's an inversion um, of this type where it, you know, unemployment rates are, are just infinitesimal. And yet the only time people are getting wage increases is when they change jobs and change change uh, uh, because everybody's everybody's holding the line on expenses um, and we're also seeing record profits so the, you know there's a bunch of stuff I'm not sure that um, I'm not sure that those price increases are in the end going to impact us all that badly it's going to help all of us meet our revenue targets because the price of everything's going up And so if we sell the same.
1: Well, the fact is the price has already gone, prices have already gone up. And the reason prices have gone up by many manufacturers, including with QSE, is that, uh, you know, for months, we just constantly, you know, we're waiting and hearing, well, we're in the integration business, right? So, I mean, at some point we, we went as far as we could to absorb the 10%, right? And then we just have to make a change and then, but, you know, when we have this back and forth and potentially it's 30 days, 60 days, even 90 days, we're the integration business. We can't just be changing prices, you know, every 30 days because people have to plan and budget, you know, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that's...
0: Actually, Brock, that's why I think it's going to impact us is because okay. the, the fluctuation of the prices, uh, right. not, not saying QSC, but just in general manufacturers, yeah. and, and their prices going up, Jeremy or you could bid on a job that's not going to see the light of day for a year. You're going to yeah. get the, you're going to win the job, but then your costs are going to go up fifteen, twenty, twenty five percent.
1: That is correct. And to the point, and to the point of unemployment, your labor costs are going to go up as well because, yeah. I mean, you know, we're just going to have to find a way to pay more to do the jobs.
3: Yeah. Right. I I don't know. I'm I'm fairly more optimistic about this in that I, I think that this whole Tariff cost increase thing is eventually going to work itself out. Eventually, I hope. Twenty twenty. Uh, I'm going to be curious, and this is no, offense, no offense to you, no offense to you, Corey or manufacturing I'm I'm of the believer that we will not see any prices go back down. Right, that it's it's the excuse to raise them, and now then that goes away, and from there, you know, I, I have a sneaking suspicion. Now there are some manufacturers where it will because. Um, and I won't name some, but I've gotten price increases of just overall product, and they say due to tariffs and also the stuff, our prices are going up, whatever, 10, 15, 20 percent. Okay, but I've got other manufacturers like my LED wall manufacturers who are just saying our prices are staying the same, but we're line iteming tariff cost right there, right? Wow. And it's on my quote, tariff cost. The last quote I got was yesterday, tariff cost $8,753, right? Added on to the cost of my video wall quote right now. Tariff goes away, that line goes away. My pricing stays the same, right? But um, I'm am t- kind of taking it a step further, and I'm actually putting that for someone who's just getting an LED wall quote from me. I'm putting that same line item on there, sure, right? just to kind of show it. Why not? You know, yeah. well, I can't really do that when it comes to, uh, you know, selling you know speakers or something where it's just been increased. Well,
2: on that same wall could cost you thirty two thousand dollars to ship if you're buying it FOB factory.
3: Right, yeah.
2: right. It's and 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 the client needs to understand that as well, is that it might be three hundred and five thousand dollars worth of video wall, but it's thirty two thousand dollars worth of freight. Right, um, and that's not air freight. That's the sixteen week freight.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's what it is though. It's it's we're seeing those cost increases, but some are doing it just overall increases, and I'm hoping they go back down. And some are just line iteming it out. So,
0: yeah, I, I like the line item line item part. So, yeah. Uh, and, and Brock actually stole my my other one for the for the year, and that that is the the, the tight labor market uh, both here in the U.S. and and abroad. There are fewer people looking for jobs. So, um, but unfortunately, the, Brock is right about the fact that, that, that the cost of or the the money you can make is is also um, tight as well. So, all right, guys, that uh, kicks us off for this uh, first episode of twenty nineteen. Thank you all so much, Miss Corey Schaefer. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or QSC?
1: You can find me at uh, Corey.Shafer at QSC, QSC.com, uh, on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. as Corey Shafer.
0: Right, very good. Mr. Caldera, since nobody can find you at the CTS steering committee anymore, where do they find you or IAS?
3: Uh, IAStechnology.net or on my Twitter is uh, at Jeremy underscore Caldera.
0: Right, very good. And Mr. McGinnis, thank you so much, sir, as always. Uh, how do people find you or Westbury?
2: Um, I'm Brock.m at westbury.com and at brockmcginess on twitter Um, and I did want to end on a positive note though Uh, this is still a wonderful time to be in the AV business Um, we're helping people uh, do their jobs uh, better and faster and easier and uh, and I continue to be proud of uh, all of us and the services that we provide and the ethical nature uh, in which we provide them and the enthusiasm we all continue to have about the value of our technology. Um, it's uh, its great, and Tim, for 2019, please keep up the great work at Aviation. Uh, thank you for all you do.
0: Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Great. Um, for, uh, for us here, don't follow me, uh, because at this point uh, I'm really just probably pretty just wearing Bears gear 24-7 until they get out of the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> go by the website, if you would, please, avianation.tv. tv. you'll find this program and a host of others. If you're interested in the residential market, my buddy Matt Scott has a weekly program that covers that as well. It's called Resi Week, and actually he has a version of this uh, year-end review as well. Uh, also, while you're there, check out our supporters section. These are the folks who support us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week in just about a month's time, Integrated Systems Europe, uh, the world's largest audiovisual trade show. So uh, that'll be coming to you from Amsterdam uh, at the Rye Theater for two more years, and then in two years, we all get to go to Barcelona, which is both good and bad. it's an interesting trek from St. Louis to Barcelona, let's just put it that way. I've done it once and it took about three days. Um, Not really three days, but it took a while. Um, Also, while you're there, uh, we we have a a new webinar coming up about AV network security, so you can check that out and register for that as well. That happens on the 16th of January if you're interested in that sort of thing. So, all that and more at avnation.tv avnation.tv Thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.